Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Mage Wars Mondays. My name is Rick with Let's Level Up, and I am joined, as always, by my partners in crime. Hey guys, this is Scott Morris. I'm Vice President of Business Development at Arcane Wonders, and I once had lunch with Inkman. <laughs> uh, I'm Aaron Brosman, Creative Director from Arcane Wonders, and... My hometown is the same as former Vice President Dan Quayle. That's very informative. <laughs> yeah, so what I'm hearing museum. is lots of pride. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a museum to Vice Presidents in my hometown, and I used to live less than a block away from it, and yet we never went. <laughs> well, I, pride, when it was first yeah. built, all the middle schools had to go to it, so I went to it like four times in the span of three years. And when my wife was like, what's in there? And I'm like, well, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we never have to go there. Very nice. Um, well, everybody, nice. We're, um, we're fresh off of Gen Con, so we're going to be talking about a bit about the Mage Wars tournament, and then afterwards we're going to be talking a bit about our Gen Con experiences and some of the cool things that Arcane Wonders has coming out here in the future and people's impressions of that as they were playing and demoing that. Um, so we're very, very excited to do this. Quick warning, um, I have two vocal problems right now. I've got, I've got the con crud pretty bad, um, so forgive me if my voice sounds a little strange in this episode. And I've also got a really squealing um, AC unit, so if that kicks on and you hear a slight squeal, um, please don't mind that here in the final recording. But um, that aside, uh, we could go ahead what? and just talk about the tournament a little Boy, bit. Boy, head up, that's it right there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Man, I'm just waiting for the AC unit now. Yeah, that's I know. Yeah, we should just like out. and there it is. Fiddle, <laughs> fiddle, fiddle around until the AC unit goes Yeah, if on. if nothing else happens, I could just put a MP3 of a squealing fan or something like that in the background just so people can hear it. <laughs> Gracious, please don't. Please, please don't. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk some major wars now. Let's talk about the tournament that happened and um, mainly the. Um, Mainly the winner. Let's talk about Alex's deck, cause I, or rather his build, because it was really good, and it was interesting. Yeah, so um, if anyone hasn't seen it, um, Alexander West, who is the gentleman who won the, the uh, championship, posted a uh, kind of a post-tournament report from his point of view on our website. So if you go to magewars.com, you'll find it there. Uh, it's a tr- Tremendous. Uh, I have been, you know, following people in tournament scenes for a while, and and very rarely do really get a lot of insight from the actual players, let alone the little insight that Alexander gives this article. It's really extremely in depth and really well written. So I, I want to take a second to thank him for that because he did a really good job on that. Um, and he was playing a Beastmaster. He was playing Straywood Beastmaster, a uh, spellbook that he called the Straywood Aviary, uh, which, as you can imagine, involved uh, a bunch of things in the air. And it was Beastmaster Rush, and it was pretty wickedly awesome. It cut through 31 other people. So um, I guess, Aaron, you want to you jump in and talk a little bit about what you, you liked and saw or maybe rise sure. by inside his spellbook? Sure. Um, so when I when I used to play uh, other games competitively, um, one of the things that I would do, or I should say, 
One of the famous sayings that was always said to me, um, there were two really important ones. The first one being, um, in an uncertain meta, uh, you always want to play aggressive. And I think that Alex's build, his spellbook, really epitomizes that, because people, a lot of people were like, well, we think that we're going to see a lot of Warlocks because of Forged and Fire. We know people are going to try Warlord because of Forge and Fire, and this is the first time that Forge and Fire had actually been thrown into the mix. Um, and so, you know, you play an aggressive deck because if people don't read you correctly and quickly, then you have an advantage over them that is more than just the cards you have. And I think, I think that if you read his, uh, his article, um, that plays into it a lot. Like he, he, put a lot of pressure on people and so um, sometimes they may or may not have responded appropriately. Now um, he would also you know, he also says in there, uh, points out a couple of times where he didn't pick things up appropriately, but when you put that kind of pressure on your opponent um, then it's, it's, it's their game and by that I mean they have to be the one to try and win it because once you get that much pressure on um, you you have the freedom to try and outthink them, to try and uh, get a few steps ahead of them. Um, but, you know, if someone reads you exceptionally well, then, um, you know, then uh, a build uh, like this, well, most builds um, will usually experience problems. But I, I think that that's the first thing is that, you know, in an uncertain meta, you always want to be aggressive because you don't want to give your opponent time to think and time to figure out exactly what you're doing um, or figure out what answers they may or may not have. The second thing, um, this is the best piece of advice I can give to anyone playing any card game. If you don't want to draw bad cards, don't put them in your deck. Um, and what that means is that everything you should play with should be good. Like, And I think when you look over when you look over um Alex's build um it's full of good cards it's full of good now there are a couple odd choices he makes that a lot of people wouldn't um i know that he he has a one of banish and he has a um one of purge magic um and he he explains in his article exactly why he picked them but there, he knows exactly what those cards are for, and he knows exactly what he's going to grab them for. Um, there isn't any filler in here. It isn't just, oh, well, you know, this might be useful, maybe. Um, it's, I, I know that specifically these could be issues, and so he has, uh, he has cards that take care of those. Um, so for me, the biggest thing um, that I found surprising about his deck was that he was actually using the layer. Um, and that's not saying that the layer is not a great card, but generally when I run the Straywood Beastmaster, I don't worry about the layer since he can cast creatures, um, he can cast creatures as a quick spell, uh, if they're level one. Uh, but Alex pointed out something very important, which was if he has the layer out, then he can play two birds a turn and he can still move his mage. Mm -hmm. And, um, cunning placement of the mage really makes it so that those birds uh, can continue to provide uh, a lot of pressure. So it was something I hadn't 
like it makes total sense now, but it's nef- definitely not something that I had thought of at the time. You know, I would have been like, no, it's just fine. My mage can summon two creatures a turn. But for him, the movement was important enough, uh, and he definitely used it to his advantage. Um, the only other thing that was weird is when you see a Beastmaster book that has four enchantments and only one of them is nature. <laughs> um, that that just boggled my mind. Um, but that wasn't what he was going for. He was using uh, Rajan's Fury uh, to to provide a more stable uh, pump to all of his creatures. And specifically, it has fantastic uh, returns when you have something that's flying and fast, um, which the Thunder Rift Falcons are. Um, so it makes total sense after you think about it, especially when, as as he put it, he had the purge magic in there because he was afraid of warlocks. Um, yeah, that's something that can severely punish them um, or uh, anyone who stacks tons of enchantments on something. So all of his choices made sense. Um, that's what I think is kind of the hallmark of someone who has a really good spell book, is when you look at that and you ask them, well, why is this card in your book? And they can tell you. And it's not just, well, I thought maybe it'd be useful. Um, it's, you know, things like, oh, uh, one purge magic can free, you know, freeze me up from multiple actions worth of curses, or it can break this, you know, so that's why it's in there. And why didn't you run more enchantments? Oh, you know, trying to free up the purge magic, and because Rajan's Fury gives me that leeway. So everything in here is in here for a very specific purpose. Um, the last thing I'd say about his book is that um, he really kind of he kind of abused the meta, and by that I mean, um, you know, it, it it it's no big surprise. Um, a lot of a lot of the guys uh, in our forums and a lot of the the players were generally like, oh nope, swarm swarm isn't good enough. Swarm doesn't work. Um, and they would say Swarm doesn't work because of this and this. Well, because <laughs> Swarm doesn't work, people stopped running those cards. Um, or rather, they ran fewer of them, but more importantly, a lot of people hadn't played against this particular style of deck. You can have the tools to to beat someone but if you haven't played that matchup and know how you need to employ them, um, you may or may not get the victory that you deserve. So um, I definitely think that that's, that's part of this, is that he picked a, a spellbook um, that people were not prepared to face, whether that was because they did not put the correct cards in their books or rather because um, this, is not, this is not a matchup you prepare for. This is definitely a left field selection, but that's part of why it works. So, that's my thoughts. That's that's part of the fun of competing in tournaments, right? Is, is being oh, able to, to head fake your opponents and have them think one thing, and then you pull out another. Um, ironic. I've had that bit of advice told to me before when, when I was playing Magic and WoW TCG competitively about you know if you don't want to draw bad cards, don't put them in your deck. Um, that's one of the nice things I think about Mage War. 
purposes. You don't because you don't have to worry about you know and, and drawing the the wrong cards. You know you can yeah, you can 100%. strategize out your your plans and your plays. Um, that's easily. But the, but the, the problem the there is you have heard. to make sure that you've you've put the cards you need into your spell book. Sure. And I've definitely had times sure. where I'm like, oh man, I totally forgot to put this in. I absolutely need yeah. it. You know. So it's uh, it has a different application to Mage Wars, but it still rings true. Is that you want it everything does. in your spellbook to be good? You want it to all have a purpose. It does. Yeah. Uh, um, I I get by several things. So love the fact that the bulk and, and I, I don't have it in front of me, but I I think if I remember right, there was not a single card from Forged in Fire in his spellbook. Um, I think he was using things from Forge and Fire uh, prior to Forge and Fire. Uh, if there was, there was maybe only one or two. Uh, and now that, because the number one thing that people ask me about when, when I meet them at shows about you know getting into Mage Wars competitively is they always say, I've got to go get everything. I got I got to go buy every single thing. And while we would love you to to do that and we're to do that because we want to experience everything. You don't need to to be competitive, and I think that's that's one of the hallmarks of the game and the design and, and all the work you can do, Aaron, for creative and design perspective. The fact that he won with a mage from the core set is cool. The fact that he won with a, a set of cards from the, the primary primary you know set of cards is amazing. Um, it's funny because you look at it and you think to yourself, okay, swarm spellbook. Probably like a white weenie deck, maybe from Magic, if you want to equate it to anything. Yeah. And you sit there and go, okay, um, this is what it's going to do. This is how it's going to do it. But even his creatures were like corset creatures, right? He had six Thunderous Falcons, and I think the rest were all Timberwolves, which is we talked about when we were talking about the Stray Beastmaster's pet ability. Uh-huh. He's, what did you call him, in the pickup truck of creatures? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he's phenomenal. So, um, yeah, four, four Timberwolves and six Thunderous Falcons. So that's just, just awesome. Um, but he did little things strategically that I thought were really cool. Um, I love that he had is acid ball. I love that there's three acid balls in there, and you know the weenie creatures are only going to roll so many dice. You're pumping them up with Rajan's Fury. You're pumping them up with extra attack stuff. But the fact that the acid ball gives you the ability to attack somebody and corrode their arm that helps your your creatures get through them even faster, which is really really solid. I thought that was um, and the Ethereum life. Um, but only one of them, and it was probably I think the most frustrating card for anyone that faced Alex, because the Ethereum Life Tree is automatically regenerating, so it's gaining you know health every turn if it if it. Um, it's got eight life and one armor, so it's pretty stout in terms of statistics. Um, but then all other living creatures and conjurations gain innate life plus two. Which obviously would help his opponents if they are, are living creatures, uh, but it helps him as well and keeps his guy on board. And when you're playing those like weenie type creatures that are smaller, it, it can be frustrating to people when they're like, "Oh, cool, his bird's at one health." Oh, no, it's at three health. Great. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, and you know, as a warlock. If you went into it, King, you know, the walk is going to be there. There's going to be a lot of them out there, whether it was the Araxian Crown or whether it was a Dremelec. 
you got to think to yourself, they're going to be throwing burn tokens down. So, so if you extra two life to all your living creatures, it's pretty solid. So I was I was pretty happy to see some of his choices that he made. I think he made both a very good meta selection, and I, and I think he made very good strategic this for the book. Um, considering, like Aaron said, most people thought that we were probably going to see it a, a lot of warlocks. Um, I don't have the final spread in front of me, but I believe the, the forums has a, a spread of all the different mages. We had a lot of people show up, which was great. A lot of excitement and a lot of energy around it, which was even better. Um, but it was just really cool, um, especially for someone like me who likes to play the Beastmaster, great mage to play, uh, to see this thing put in motion so well and, and so well built that it comes out on top and, and, and walks away as a champion. So. Yeah, definitely. I think that um, one of the cards that is worth mentioning that uh, I don't normally play that he put in his deck, or rather in his book, was Renewing Spring. I really like that as well, specifically with those fast creatures. They can get back to the screen, heal up, and then get back in the battle. That with Rajan's Fury is going to trigger that charge again. I mean, it's just one of those things that really works well together, I think. So kudos, Alexander. You made a great book, and it obviously it, uh, it worked out well for you. Yeah, winning in a thirty-one person tournament. Too bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a, what? You get a, a nice shiny new iPad Mini, and a uh, a giant awesome trophy. Who who designed those trophies? Was it Patrick? Uh, yeah, uh, Patrick, our director of communications, uh, and we get them from a trophy company uh, in uh, Texas. But uh, oh, they look uh, yeah, amazing. He got a ton of stuff. Yeah. He walked away with a nice big trophy, iPad Mini. He walked away with a professional poster print. He walked away with product. It was pretty awesome. So, um, That's great. And, and everybody, I think, everybody we talked to seemed to have a very good time. Um, there were people, there was one person that I talked to. Uh, um, I won't mention his name. Didn't get his to mention his name on the podcast, but if he's listening to this, he knows who he is. Uh, he's a good fan of ours. He's he's a great great guy. Um, he plays a lot of Mage Wars. Uh, hopefully, we'll be an ambassador here soon. Uh, but he had a druid and talk with one of our playtesters actually the night before the tournament uh, to play his druid, um, and he had some really good ideas. Uh, but it was I think if I remember it was his first competitive tournament. So. Uh, uh, jumping in neck deep into a, a pool of 30, 30 or 31 other people when you're playing one of, in my opinion, one of the harder mages to, to really coordinate and, and execute is cool. So uh, it was really neat to see all the different you know builds, people, the activity, all the stuff happening. And I think, uh, Rick, you've got a bunch later in the week for people uh, in terms of interviews with players during the, the tournament that you're going to post on your webpage or on the YouTube page later this week, right? Absolutely, yeah. Unfortunately, we weren't able there to make the finals. I had to drive 17 hours back home on Sunday so we could be at work Monday morning, but um, um, we did get uh, quite a few interviews with some of the guys, some shots of people playing um, as the day rolled on, and um, just, just thoughts on people's logic behind their spellbook builds, um, what mages they thought they stacked up well against, and then what mages they didn't want to see in the upcoming tournaments and uh, kind of their reactions to things and how they were going. So um, the energy there uh, while people were playing was just phenomenal. I've been around competitive gaming for a long time, and it I said it before, and I said it in a, a thank you video I posted on the on our YouTube channel, um, but the, the Mage Wars gamers and the Mage Wars community, it, it's, it really is one of the best 
gaming communities I think there is. Everybody seems, even though these guys are going head-to-head -head and, you know, the Mage Wars battles can be really intense, they're still very polite with one another. They're still so excited to, you know, to hear about the podcast and to, you know, to, to talk with me. And I thought that was just awesome. So uh, kudos to everybody who played. It was a pleasure meeting you guys, and uh, I hope we could do it again very soon. On that note, um, Scott, Aaron, what are some of your guys' big takeaways from Gen Con? I know we had a lot of stuff at the Arcane Wonders booth. You guys were slammed every time I walked by there. So what are some of the big things coming? Oh, we need <laughs> – we so badly need this convention to be the five best days in gaming. There's no time. It's like there's, there's so much that happens, and there is – I mean – we were slammed. I, I, you were at the booth several times. I mean, you saw what was going on. Yeah. We we were just unbelievably popular, and I just I cannot thank everybody enough. Whether you came by to pick up Sheriff for Nottingham, or whether you came by to pick up Mage Wars and talk Mage Wars, uh, it was unbelievable. It was it it felt like twenty four seven. In fact, at one point, I actually had to kick Aaron out of the. <laughs> uh, there was a point where we were working like so I'm not kidding I'm, I'm dead serious it was like I mean I didn't physically it was, <laughs> it was so, and we were doing so much and I could tell that he was so tired I was like, I looked at him I said you break I'm you go take a break go eat lunch go do something take a break because we've been working like three or four days straight like 16 hours 17 hour days and it's funny because you, it's work. It's work. You're, you're doing stuff, but it's it's fun because you're working in an environment where the next person that comes up to talk to you wants to talk to you about Mage Wars, or wants to talk to you about Sheriff Nottingham, and you get to talk about games and you get to demo games, work with people, and it's just it's so much fun. Um, but at the same time, it can get really, really exhausting. Um, so it definitely needs to be like five best days in gaming, and the convention still needs to only be four, or a fifth between like two of them, so everyone can just sleep for 19 hours straight and get their energy back, and then go back to everything. Because <laughs> so, there was uh, by Sunday, it wasn't just up either. By Sunday, there were a lot of fans that were tired. Uh, I think it was it was day one. Or actually, it was day zero. We up on Wednesday, and th this is my my favorite like favorite story of the whole thing. It, it's maybe mid afternoon Wednesday, and uh, somebody calls me and says, "Hey," and I'm like on my cell phone. I said, "We're setting up our booth. We're over near like the the 700 block," and uh, he goes, "Oh, cool. Uh, I'm at booth 3012." And I paused and I went, "What? What?" He goes, yeah, I'm at booth 3012. I'm like, you're, wait a minute. You're in, like, Staten Island, and I'm in Queens. What are you talking about? It is so far away because it's so much bigger. This just uh, the total number was, like, 6,600 and change, um, which it, it's unbelievable growth from last year. It's just I think last year was, like, 48,000. So... That is just unbelievable amount of growth, and it's awesome. It's great. I love it. I we, we joke about it internally. We call it because you get there and there's no sleeping. You're just you're you're constantly moving. You're constantly working. 
every day we were there up until like two or three in the morning and then doing it again six or seven in the morning the, the very next day um but i i was pleasantly surprised i mean we we did well with Sheriff of Nottingham. So I know most of the people who listen to our podcast here are listening because they're Mage Wars fans. Um, where our line launched with Dice Tower Essentials, and it was wildly successful. It sold out extremely quickly by 2 o'clock on Thursday. We had to get more in on the next couple of days, and we did, and we sold out of those, so it was great. But what really made me happy was that even though we had that, and even though we had that success, we still had an outpouring of fans around Mage Wars. It wasn't like people looked at, oh, you're starting another line. I'm going to forget about Mage Wars and go play something else. They, they, they are fans, like you said, from a community standpoint, they're phenomenal. And they Absolutely. are. I love our community. I have seen people sit down across from someone and go, hey, this is my first time playing. And the other guy plays like three times a week. And they're perfectly fine with it. They don't ever like mean the person or make them feel like they're, you know, lower than them or anything like that. Everybody is phenomenal and the community just outpoured at Gen Con I had people to me they were getting bored the fire they hadn't had a chance to get it yet they were excited to get the major promos we had they were looking at a lot of the exclusives that we had at the con which was really awesome we had um, uh, magnetic status boards and we had colored dice Oh, yeah. Your list to this, yes, don't fret. They're going to be on the website very soon. Um, we're hoping uh, the next week or so to have them on the website for purchase. But we had colored dice that were 12-millimeter attack dice that you could use based on the color of your school of choice. So you could get, you know, orange for fire or yellow for holy, green for nature and things like that. Uh, and then we also had the magnetic status boards, which most people just go gaga over they see them and they go oh cool I can get extra status boards and then they pick them up they're magnetic they don't fall off and then everyone goes crazy and loves them so uh, I was really really happy to, to see they, they loved them yeah I mean, they, just people it was, it was really cool there was a couple guys at the tournament who, um, you know, a guy would sit down and like, okay, uh, we're getting things ready, and the guy would pull out his magnetic status uh, or his magnetic board, and then his, uh, his opponent would just look at him and was like, do they have those at the booth? Oh, man, do I have time to go over there and get one? <laughs> so it was like that. I mean, it was, it was a very – it seems – you know, Mage Wars is one of those games that there's, there's so much going on that if you think of, oh, hey, I'm going to add some new colored dice, or hey, here's a magnetic board, it's like, okay, that's, that's neat. And then you see somebody next to you have it, you're like – God, I got to get my hands on that thing as soon as possible. It was very yeah. well received from where. And I for was tournament sitting. play, it's even better. Yeah. For tournament play, it's even better, right? Because you don't have to worry about your cubes getting knocked around. I mean, in a friendly game, you know, good and well. But in a in a competitive game, you you may want a little bit more solidity, I guess, or you know, something. So so uh, yeah, I had several of the, the tournament players come by and they were like, "Yep, need it, want it, give me it right now," and then turn around and run back. To the, the that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was it was phenomenal. Um, you know, we're, we're uh, so everybody knows we're we're. If you thought we had fun this year and had a big presence this year, next year's going to be even bigger. Um, we're going to double our booth size. We're gonna be huge next year. Uh, we're going to have a lot more fun. So uh, if you didn't get to join us, I'm very sorry. Uh, if you got to see any of the posts on our social media pages or blogs or anything like that. I hope you enjoyed them. Uh, and if you can, as much as possible, come and join us next year. It's hectic, it's crazy, it's awesome, and it's a lot of fun. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Aaron, do you have anything you want to um, add on top of that as far as Gen Con experiences? Well, um, to kind of reinforce what he was saying, um, I basically was tethered to the booth the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, at the one point in which I finally got to go explore the hall for a little bit, um, I remember uh, walking... And I think it was, gosh, I don't even remember what aisle it was, but there came a point where you were in the vendor hall, the the the, uh, blah, the retailer hall, and you get to a point, and all of a sudden you're like, wait, it stopped here last year, and then you look, and there's just a sea of more booths, and it's like, holy crap. <laughs> It just goes on for days now. Um, I definitely feel like, you know, some sort of search and rescue team in that place would have been very useful. <laughs> uh, it was it was easy to get just like, wow, there was just so much stuff. Um, as far as my time actually in our booth, um, no, Scott was absolutely right. There was a point where... We were all we were all trying kind of firing on all cylinders for so long, uh, it just happened that I was the one who burnt first. <laughs> um, and thankfully, we got to compose ourselves, come back, and it was all good. But yeah, it was definitely it was insanity. But it was mostly the good kind, mostly the good kind of insanity. Um, just so many people, all excited, like. Um, just seeing people's faces when they're like, oh, so what's the promo card for today? And you show it to them, and they're like, no freaking way. No freaking way, man. And I'm like, yeah, no, this is real. This is real, and we're actually going to be putting this out <laughs> at some point. You know? Yeah, I had I had tons of people go back on day one when we gave out the Dragon Claw, the Dragon Claw Wolverine. Oh, my goodness, um, that thing was awesome. And if anyone... Yeah, if anyone didn't see it, definitely run over to the website. We have pictures of it on the website. It's basically a level four creature, animal. Uh, it's 14 mana, two armor, 13 health, three die attack with an effect on an eight plus. You get a bleed. It has piercing plus one. It also has rage plus three. It also says for each rage token on the Dragon Claw Wolverine, he has armor plus one, and if he has three or four rage tokens, his attack gains counter strike. Uh, <laughs> um, pretty everyone that plays our game that I handed it to went, oh, a new pet. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the first thing everybody's said. So when we, when we were and doing the came around. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, when we were doing the pet podcast, and I had said that my favorite pet for the Beastmaster is not out yet. Uh, there he is, guys. There he is. Um, uh, yeah, he's no, awesome. it was hilarious because pe- people on the forums, when you had the picture all blurred, um, someone on the forums referred to him as Man Bear Pig because they couldn't figure out what he was. They're like, they're like it looks kind of like some sort of bear, or maybe it's a boar, or, or maybe it's a... Something and then someone was like, "Well, it's clearly Man Bear Pig." Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so people were really excited. Like he's he's beefy. He's super beefy. Oh, and he awesome. was the first one. <laughs> yeah. No. Absolutely. He was. He yeah, was. Then the we first got into one. Griffins and Manticores and yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. So. 
No, no, that was great. And being like, I know that um, he's gonna probably, you know, be super excited that he gets two whole shoutouts on our show. But Violent Ray actually stopped by the booth and was like, "Hey, it's <laughs> me. I'm that guy you were talking about on the on the podcast several times ago." Um, but no, he was he was super cool. He was playing, uh, I believe he was playing in the event. Um, yeah, he was. And then he also stopped by when we were doing our cosplay thing for uh, for uh, Tony. Um, his costume was good. But in the interest of his privacy, I'm not going to say which one it was, just in case he doesn't want that out there. Um, <laughs> but he'll totally have a chance to spoil that for everyone, because the picture is on the website. Haha, <laughs> I've narrowed it down there to 80 people or whatever. <laughs> There you go. But um, <laughs> nice. but no, it was cool. He he stopped by the booth uh, several times, said hey, chewed the fat a bit. Um, but no, it's I like I really love Origins because of how personal it is. But there is an energy at Gen Con that you just can't you can't replace. Nobody else has it. Um, and I haven't had like there's no other convention I've ever gone to that is that intense. And that's a good word to I mean, describe there's it. A reason, <laughs> there's a reason that we were all firing on all cylinders for, you know, four days. Um, it's because it's just it's it's intense. It's an amazing it's an amazing event, and you just kind of just strap in on day one and you ride that roller coaster. And Sunday afternoon, you're like, oh, I guess I get to go home now. <laughs> um, well, I, and I'm lucky because I live two hours away from uh, um, from Indy. But still, you know, when you finally roll in and you're like, "Oh, Gen Con's over," you 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 get everything calmed down and back to normal. Then you're like, "You know what? I could really go for another convention." <laughs> no, it's Gen Con's fantastic. That's um, perfect. Yeah, and it's just. There are so many great stories. Like, okay, so this is a fantastic one. We actually played uh, True Dungeon as a as a team. So it was Scott, <laughs> um, his charming guard, wife, guard, guard right now, uh, Patrick, John, our director of operations, and uh, and Brian. So John keeps telling me because he's the only one of us who's played True, True Dungeon before. He he's told me about this. Um, this one encounter he went into where there was a curtain and there was a silhouette of an attractive woman and then the curtain moved back and everyone got turned to stone because it was a Medusa. So this is the only encounter he's ever told me about. We get like five rooms in on this thing and I see a curtain and I see a silhouette and I look away. <laughs> and it totally was a Medusa, which was awesome. We were fighting a Medusa and you couldn't look at her because then you get turned to stone. So John, at one point, uh, where I'm averting my eyes very well, because I'm a wizard, and I do not like being stoned. He taps me on the shoulder. When I turn to look at him, she is literally standing right next to him. So I just look up, <laughs> look straight at him, and I go, you're a jerk. Um, and then she's like, roll the die. Um, I got an 18, so I didn't get turned to stone, thankfully. But it was great, because then she turns, after we beat that room, she comes back to John, and she's like, you're an awful friend. <laughs> That's awesome. And he's like, That's fair. But no, that was just, 
it was it was really fun. It, but unfortunately, it was at the end of a an exceptionally long day, so we were all pretty worn. But it was good. It was a good time. That's awesome, man. I also played a game of, let's see, King of New York with some jerk who runs a podcast and and YouTube channel. I can't remember his name. It's was he something handsome? Like Trick or something trick. like, like that. I can't. Okay. <laughs> Rick and I got a chance to finally meet in person because we're like only internet friends. We're not like in person or anything. And we, we finally got to, to meet in person and play a game uh, and um, didn't get a chance to play Mage Wars because we didn't have enough time, but it was still still very fun. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's one of my highlights from the whole thing. And eating lunch with Aaron uh, was nice too. Uh, he just kind of yeah, wandered the, the, by. The, the day we kicked him out of the booth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. <laughs> Um, well, guys, I, I, I hope you guys had as much fun as, at Gen Con as I did. It was my first year to go, and it was just an unbelievable experience, um, both within the hobby, doing the, the press thing, and also just as being a giant geek and loving gaming as much as I do. It was just really, really cool. And um, I finally, uh, one of my big achievements there was I finally got my best friend to buy Mage Wars after uh, about a year asking him. He f- was there at the tournament, and he was watching some of the guys play and, uh, and and really enjoyed that. And so he went and bought a core set and got Forged in Fire, which is really cool. So he's really looking forward to the end of nice. Throne Dwarf. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah, for everybody that came to us at Gen Con and said they liked the show, thank you a, a thousand times. It was It was absolutely awesome to talk to each and every one of you guys. Uh, keep an eye out for the uh, Let's Level Up uh, YouTube channel. We'll be having some of those player interviews and getting um, everyone, everyone's opinions on their books uh, coming up very soon in the next few days. And um, that's going to be really fun. So, uh, Scott, Aaron, anything you guys want to say at the end of this thing? Play more Mage Wars. <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> <laughs>